And now, as the dice roll, brought to you today by It's Fine Washcloths. Nothing gets rid of months of space travel, radiation blasts, and bullet holes. But wipe it down with a wet washcloth, and you can say, It's fine. on the cautious optimism. We are being taught by this universe that it is not sensible to be helpful. The League of Planets has banned the Lightspeed Shipping Company from doing business in their borders because of dealing in slavery, dealing in weapons, dealing in drugs. These guys are bad news and they are forbidden. Rat people are real and you should treat them as extremely dangerous and hostile. We've been accepted, Captain, into the conclave. I found the ferret. I, it's a chip student. It's extinct. The little guy is in an alternate dimension, but also interacting with your dimension at the same time. What could even cause this? Well, we discovered that the ferret is possibly out of phase with reality. Hello, Cautious Optimism. Aurora Borealis Shand. A human woman. I'm not interested in, in selling this ship. She has a huge smile on her face. She was, she's very important to me. Hank Crawford. Engineers. Bad news, good news. Uh, bad news, fuel leak. Coming and going from the spaceport. Good news, I found duct tape. Cayenne Brunt. A mature. I am a doctor. A nine foot tall, four armed creature. I don't care if they call me, hey, you, just let me do my job. Rico. Humanoid. I'm observing you. Cat person. It's for science. Liliana. An Evo. I don't know if you know, but like, I'm famous. A species capable of psionic power. We are going to be the best of friends. Thank you, Cautious Optimism. Welcome to the station. Shipcom goes beep, beep, boop. Captain Rory, we are approaching Galaginar now. Hooray. What does it look like? On your screen, you see a massive space station, larger than any orbital space station you've ever seen in your life in the distance. It is surrounded with what is clearly an energy field, you know, a force field surrounding the entire station. All over the place, there are little openings opening up in the force field where spaceships are passing through, either entering or exiting to dock with the station. There's a number of spaceships outside the force field, probably 50 spaceships outside the force field waiting to gain entry. There's a bit of a queue to, to get inside the, the force field and, and dock with the station. The planet itself is, from orbit, it looks mostly brown. You can't see any clouds. You can't see any water, any vegetation, anything like that. Even before you look at your scans, it looks like a dead world. In fact, for just from looking at it from orbit, you would imagine that it's never had life, much less a thriving civilization once upon a time. 
Beyond that, you see a number of ships that are not waiting to get into the space station that are kind of holding in the little groups. They're in little cliques around the space station. This is obviously a huge port, and uh, there's a tremendous amount of space traffic in the area. All right. I alert the rest of the ship that we're approaching Galaganar. Oh, finally, Captain. What's our first move, Captain? Well, I figure we're going to land, and I'm going to go talk to the medical examiner, or whoever it was that sent me the death certificate for Uncle Peter. What do you guys want to be doing while I'm doing that? Just we all stick together, or is there something? Does anybody have a research idea or recon idea that they've got? Uh, I think we need to deliver the supercomputers, Captain. Yeah, I would say that's the only other thing that we really have to do on here. And that's probably, um, I mean, that's I think that's probably what's going to get us the permission to land. That's a good idea. I, um, of course, had not forgotten about the supercomputers again within the 30 <laughs> minutes. So, <laughs> of course, that's step one. That's step point five. Probably whilst we're queuing, Hank, you and I should go and, I don't know, give them a bit of a dusting. <laughs> That's probably not the worst idea. They look a bit like they've been in space for a really long time on a vessel that's blown up multiple occasions. So <laughs> They're fine. Probably just give them a quick wipe down. What could go wrong? Who is it that we're delivering them to again? I thought Anya Breck emailed you the, the information, Captain. She did. What is it? What, Shipcom, read that information out to me, please. They are be- to be delivered to... Scientist Galaganarian Jareth 5618. All right. So we get up to the station. I'll we'll tell him that when we get hailed. And I would like to research Jareth 1258. Ooh, a lot of researching today. Okay. Well, the ship is waiting in line at one of the entry points through the force field, and Rico and Hank are dusting off the supercomputers and trying to make them look nice <laughs> in good working order. Kyan, go ahead and make yourself some kind of a computery researchery role. My research is 11, and I have rolled a 10. Success by one. All right, Jareth5618 is a Galaganarian scientist in good standing in any of the scientific organizations you can find. There, interestingly, despite being a Galaganarian, this particular scientist does not do any research into weaponry or anything that could be used for war, really. The entire Galaganar economy basically functions on the design, construction, and export of weapons at this point. Mm-hmm. But this particular person has dedicated their life to agriculture, research, and occasionally medicine. And in recent times, they've shown an interest in in computers and artificial intelligence. But uh, again, nothing that you can see has any military applications. Kyan automatically starts liking this guy. What do Galagarnarians look like? They have a torso 10 feet or 3 meters long that runs parallel to the ground, and they stand on six legs, which is two legs less than your invisible ferret. They're covered in short green fur, and their head juts directly out from the front of their body, and they have eyes on the top of their head because their torso, while very long, is only a few feet tall. So they're kind of like a gigantic caterpillar. Wow, we had had never asked that question, and that was not the answer to the question that I was expecting. Yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised. (laughs) 
I just would like to say, I love you, Todd, but I'm glad that you don't have like a genie lamp or like you can make <laughs> wishes or create stuff because it's frightening. Um, yeah. I mean, if I was making things for real life, they would not be monsters. I, I would make good things in real life. That's what everyone says <laughs> at the beginning. But you just yeah. keep like, you like, you like to add legs to stuff. Yeah. This is a, a fantastical science fiction world. I, I like to make weird things. It's like you sell pants in the future or something, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's got multiple I, I, legs. <laughs> I do appreciate that he does not just stick to bipedal humanoid aliens. Forehead aliens. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Forehead aliens. Like every TV show and movie ever. Exactly. Because this is all theater of the mind, we're not limited by any sort of special effects or costuming budget. So let my imagination go. <laughs> well, you have yet to create a race I don't want to destroy with fire. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> including the Lorndons, all the six-legged things. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, and in all fairness, we did say at the start of this season that the, the special effects budget had, like, quadrupled. <laughs> <laughs> Double the legs all the way around. (laughs) (laughs) We just know that 90% of the budget went to legs. It's fine. (laughs) Last season, we were all, you know, humans in in big bird costumes. This season, (laughs) we've got graphics. Right. I'm just going to point out that the captain is not allowed to set fire to the ferrets. No, I won't set fire to the I want to, but I won't. (laughs) No, the ferret, I saw the picture. The ferret's cute and small. We got to go talk to a giant caterpillar person. <laughs> it's freaking. <laughs> that wasn't what I was expecting, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Do they have like hands that can manipulate? Because like they've got six legs, but do they have fine manipulators? Yeah. On their two front legs, they have opposable thumbs and digits and stuff. What you're going to find when you're on the station is that they don't ever like sit up or stand up. Everything they work on is kind of on the floor. So imagine an office with no desks or chairs and the computer monitor is laying on the floor facing up, you know, and the mouse and keyboard are on the floor right in front of it. So you could lay down and be typing and by just craning your neck up a little bit, looking at the monitor on the floor. That's how they do everything. Oh, God. Kind's going to step on something. And I can't imagine the ceilings are very tall. No. Although the station, large parts of it are set up as like a market because they're selling these weapons to off-worlders. So the the common areas have high ceilings that are more accommodating for what they would consider alien anatomies. Captain, um, I slightly feel like we didn't take the uh, anatomy of the natives into account. No. We seldom do. Considering our options here. Yeah, this is going to be interesting. But I don't see that we have any other choice. Hank, come on. We need to go and clean these computers up. Right on top of that rose. (laughs) I love that movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You guys clean up the computers while the ship waits in line. It's about an hour before you guys are finally in front of the line that you're in. And Shipcom says, Captain, we are being hailed by the station. Open the channel. Hello. And welcome to New Galag Space Station. What is the purpose of your visit? We have a delivery for one of your scientists, Jareth, I believe is his name. Jareth, and what's their what's their last number? Oh, I give it to him. Five six one eight. <laughs> uh, hold on. Yep. 
they are expecting you. I'll go ahead and clear you to land on Docking Bay. Charlie 374, please disengage your engines. We will tractor you in. Thank you and have a nice day. Thank you. And with that, they close the transmission. The force field opens up in front of you, and the ship jostles slightly as tractor beams grab onto it and bring you inside the force field, and then after about another 10 minutes, bring you into a docking bay. It's inside the station, so, you know, station walls, giant station doors open up, pull you inside and set you down gently, and then the doors close up behind you, creating an airtight seal. Your ship is inside a large cavernous room that looks like it was designed to handle ships much larger than yours on occasion. But there's plenty of space in here. And after a few minutes, you see on your screen, the door to this cargo bay or this landing bay that you're in opens up and two of the little green caterpillar-like Galaganarians enter the room and are heading in your direction. Okay. Have we cleaned the computers up? Are they looking presentable? Sure, yeah. You didn't have time to necessarily turn them all on and test them, but... Oh, no, no, no. I just meant we were just going to basically like run a damp cloth across them so they look slightly less like they'd been blown up, irradiated. <laughs> you know, all of that kind of nonsense. Sure, sure. Scratch off some of the singe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just spit and polish. Totally fine. Absolutely. I assume they work fine. They don't look like they've been jostled in transit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After a little bit, the uh, Galaganarians are at the other side of the airlock, and the shipcom goes beep, beep, boop. The Galaganarians are requesting to speak with you, Captain Rory. I go to the airlock and, and open it. Hello. Hi. I am docking attendant Tordin3027, and this is my assistant... Franata 0001. I see here, and they're holding in their front two hands, lifting it about an inch off of the floor so that they can look at it. And their eyeballs rotate around from the top of the head to the bottom to look at the little sheet here or the little data pad they're holding. And they say, I see you're here to deliver something to Jareth 5618. Is that right? Yes. Will you be conducting any other business while you're on board the station? Yes. I actually would like to speak with, insert name of person who sent me the thing, the, the death the death thing. I would like to find them and speak to them. Could you tell me how to get there? Okay. Yeah. I can go ahead and do that. And their head turns slightly to the side and they go, Rawr. And the assistant, the other one, starts furiously typing into a data pad. And they turn back to you and say, we're looking up their locations now. Okay. You're free to stay on the station as long as you like, as long as you're engaged in business. But if you're doing anything of a personal or recreational nature, you'll be asked to either leave or pay us a docking fee. Uh, how much is the docking fee? Let's see. You're from the League of Planets, right? Yes. So, let's see here. In your currency, it would be about 50 lopsies a day. Okay. Well, I would assume what I'm doing is considered personal business. So, I've been mowed 50 lopsies. Okay. If the ship's accountant could go ahead and make a note of that, please. Uh, yes. <laughs> wow. You'd imagine she might have the 
um, banking thing open. There we go. Oh, did we um, did we run up a bill at the Wiggly Log? We should have settled up. Oh, it wouldn't have been terribly much in Lopsies. That's probably all told twenty. Okay, that's cool. I just noticed that the uh, the last banking transaction was for the Tiggly Cog. You see, and that just means- ah. Uh, very good. See, why well, it's good to have an accountant. So many D and D games don't have anyone keeping track of the money, and you always end up wondering how accurate is this number. <laughs> Do you know? I haven't. That's a thing that the GM does. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you really have that much money? <laughs> That's why I like Monster of the Week because money is just whatever you need it to be at the time. Yes, <laughs> that is handy. After a few more moments, the assistant goes. <laughs> and the one you've been speaking to says, all right, Jareth 5618 is at, and they give you coordinates. And the medical facility is, and they give you coordinates, <laughs> well, you know, the address. Sure. And it looks like you're looking for uh, Dr. Tuna4187. She was the doctor who signed the certificate, and she is still practicing medicine there today, so easy enough to find her. Do you have any other questions for us? I don't think so. I look at the crew. Nope. Nope. All right. Please be aware that while you're on the station, you are subject to our rules and regulations. There's nothing too different from the League of Planets where you're from, you know, no killing, no stealing, no smuggling illegal materials, although really the only thing that would be illegal here is slaves, and uh, I believe they're illegal in the League of Planets as well. So basically, if you follow the rules of your homeworld, you should do just fine here. Thank you, and have a good day. And our weapons? Weapons are permitted on the station. Thank you. Very good. And with that, the two of them scurry off. All right. So let's get rid of these computers. Now, you can load them all up on some kind of a hover dolly, if you like, and transport them to the science lab. Yeah. I mean, I assume we have to go with them. We can't just, like... Yeah, yeah. You'll have to deliver them in person, yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's what I'd like to do, please. All right, so as you guys load up the computers on your hover dollies and exit the docking bay, you soon find yourself in a station that is incredibly busy, incredibly crowded, and the main form of transportation is the little vacuum tubes that are very similar to what you saw on Lorinda. There are some industrial vacuum tubes for freight that are plenty large enough to carry your computers. And it's an easy enough affair to walk up to one of the entrances to one of these tubes, type in the coordinates or address that you were given. And next thing you know, whoosh, 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 you guys are flying through the tubes at a speed that almost makes you nauseous. But it doesn't exactly make you vomit. After a few minutes, it just kind of pops you out at what appears to be a scientific laboratory. And there's a front door. And a doorbell before you. I ring it. Rico goes and rings the doorbell. Probably before the captain can get there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hi, uh, we're dropping off some supercomputers. Oh, it's about time. Hold on, hold on, just a sec. Yeah, sorry. We got held up. You hear like what sounds like a crash and the breakage of some glass and stuff. And a moment later, you hear what sounds like another small crash. And then the front door opens up. 
and you see before you a Galaganarian whose eyes have rotated to the top of their head, staring up at you, and they say, "This is this is fantastic. I've been I've been waiting for these computers for a long time. Here, follow me." Yes, we're very sorry they're late. We um, encountered traffic on the way. <laughs> is there much traffic in outer space? You'd be surprised. <laughs> we're surprising a large amount. Yes. Some of it's blowing up. It's very exciting. (laughs) So as they lead you into their laboratory, it is very cluttered. It is very messy. And the first thing that Rico or Hank would notice as scientists and, and engineers who deal with equipment and scientific equipment and whatnot all the time is that the other stuff here is not top of the line. It looks like all of their equipment, their computers, their tools and everything are probably secondhand and edging on obsolete. So your brand new state-of-the-art Lorndon supercomputers are very out of place. But they do lead you into the back of their laboratory, and they have 10 interfaces that are set up very specifically for these computers to be plugged into them. And they direct you to go ahead and unload them right there where they can be plugged in. This is going to be a very big upgrade for you. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I have a big project. I have a big project. And it would be impossible without these. This is this is really, really fantastic. Thank you so much for finally delivering them. Here, I have a I have a message for you from Anya Breck. She wanted Oh. She wanted to make sure that you checked in with her as soon as you completed the delivery. Oh yes, yes. I mean the captain will take care of that. Um I'm a I'm a scientist, so I'm just very, very interested in uh, in what you're gonna be doing with these supercomputers. Can you can you tell me a bit about your project? I've recently, well, okay, it's kind of a secret, but how much do you know about code cracking? I mean, a little bit, not huge amounts. What are you looking into? So one of the big problems with the galaxy as I see it is that there is a lot of information that people like to keep secret. You know what I mean? Uh, Yes, yes, I do know what you mean. And when they like to keep it a secret, they use encryption. And the problem with all the modern quantum computers and whatnot is that encryption is virtually uncrackable. Uh, yes. So I'm hoping to take these 10 supercomputers and create an artificial intelligence, an AI consciousness, with all 10 of them combined, that is powerful enough to break any encryption in the galaxy. And once we have that, information will truly be free for everybody. It can never be a normal delivery to a completely normal and boring person, can it? Hello, I'm Joe Hogan, the editor of As a Dice Roll. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Cautious Optimism. We're cutting right to the chase today. You can contact us on Twitter at As the Dice Roll RP. Or you can hop over to our Instagram at As the Dice Roll, or you can email us at podcast at as the dice rollcast.com. We also tend to hang out on Slack, which you can access by going to geek2geekmedia.com and clicking on the Contact Us tab. If you'd like to support our cast in their other endeavors, you can listen to Kelly on her podcast, Mating Habits of the Modern Geek, featuring Todd as a new regular co host. You can also read Todd's book, Tag Your IT, by going to toddsullivanbooks.com. Bama and King of the Heel have returned to the world of streaming at trovo.live forward slash Bama Shocks. You can catch those streams on Thursdays and Saturdays. 
Check out Raven on Girls Gone Wow if you're a World of Warcraft player, or The Tenth Divine if Elder Scrolls Online is more your thing, and I can be found on my podcast, Geektitude. That's it for me this week. At this point, I feel like these dates I give you are just suggestions, so let's say I'll be back here next week, the week of February 12th, with the next episode of What Is Not, and then again the week of February 19th with the next episode of Cautious Optimism. Until then, let's see what the crew is going to do with this scientist's free information idea, right after a quick commercial break. When toxic culture has you down. When you're just looking to laugh and have fun. Kick back and enjoy watching a video game. Or just make some new friends. It's time to visit the Geek2Geek Media Network. A community of podcasters, streamers, and bloggers. Well, more of a family than a community. All dedicated to geeking out about the things we love. Things like... Video games! Star Wars! Comics! Movies, K-pop, Disney Plus, Keanu. Keanu Reeves, New, or whatever our community decides is the next best thing. That's right. We have a great online community on Slack and Discord where we chat about our weekly geekery with listeners and viewers. And each other. Yep. And each other in real time. And we can't wait for you to join us. So come check us out at geek2geekmedia.com. And escape toxic fandom for something much more... Keanu? Yes. Keanu. Hank's going to cut his eyes over at Rico, and he's going to kind of lift one of the USBs out of his pocket and wiggle it. Rico's just kind of reeling at this idea that nobody should be allowed private data, which is what sounds to be going on here, and sees Hank and is like, uh, makes a slightly unsure face towards him. Like, just, you can just sort of see there's this little twitch of an ear that's like, oh, yeah, no, I saw you, but I'm maybe not, not sure. Uh, And she glances over at the captain. Yeah, so he's saying this to all of us, right? Well, yes, yeah. Yeah, he's actually being very open with this secret information. Scientists, as it turns out, are terrible at keeping secrets. (laughs) (laughs) So I look at Hank, and I give a little nod. Mm. So with that affirmation, what does Hank do? Hank's eyes go wide, and uh, uh, like honestly, I don't think either one of them caught his the message he was sending, and and he'll shrug and be like, okay, so... um, well, if uh, are we sure? <laughs> I know what I think you're saying. <laughs> so I think what's going to happen at this point is that Rico's going to be like going to try to. Uh, so Rico has understood that there is some kind of conversation going on between the captain and Hank. So she's going to try and move the Galaganarian like away from the computers. And be like, oh, that's terribly fascinating. Yes, that would be uh, like, what sort of protocols do you intend to use? How what's your gonna what's your approach to this project going to be? I'm gonna try and draw him into conversation slightly away from what's going on, so that Hank and the captain can clear up whatever it is. Yeah, Hank's gonna lean in, uh, forehead to forehead huddle style. No, I wasn't suggesting we give him shipcom. I was saying shipcom's already on there in the recently deleted files. Like it wouldn't take a very smart one of them to find it. Remember, because he uploaded it to every one of them. Oh, I thought that we were going to use Shipcom to keep him from being able to do what he wanted to do. Because if Shipcom's native to all of these machines, and he could send out some sort of signal that does not allow him to crack every code. That's what I thought you were saying. Well, before we could do that, we would have to check and see if Shipcom has any morality filters in himself to even 
understand the difference between helping stop a war versus breaking the code to, you know, secret medical shipments that are going to be hijacked. You know, I, I don't know if he can. Oh, crap. And also, the baby shipcoms are very, very much less sophisticated than shipcom, shipcom. That's true. Right, but they do contain the core programming this guy needs. So Rico's got the guy over in the corner and she's just talking science with him. They're babbling. So what do you suggest we do, Hank? Can you reformat the computers? No, without plugging them in. That might be obvious to the dude. He pulls Kyan in. So, you know, I, I guess you heard part of what we were saying. But so, you know, Shepcom already deposited <clears throat> his quote unquote babies on these. We were able to delete them, but they are still somewhere on this hard drive. They could figure it out on their own or we, with Shipcom's help, could format them in such a way that this doesn't go to hell in a handbasket. That's what I want to do. How much time would it take you? Proper formatting, programming, including some hacking where they can't see it, and communication with Shipcom, which ironically is going to have to be in code, which he should be able to decipher. He is, he is super smart. <laughs> Days. 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 I have to do this just right, otherwise they have all kinds of power. Todd, describe this room to me. This this room is your typical science laboratory. It's, uh, it's covered in equipment and miscellaneous junk. There's a bunch of screens where the Galaganarian and Rico are talking science in front of the monitors and displays. And then there is the only part of the room that's really clean is where the computers are set to be installed in a, in a circle around the, uh, the plugins. <sighs> Hank, if it's going to take days, we can't do it. No, 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 no. Okay, maybe I didn't explain. We tell them we want to help them on this mission and we have the right AI to do it, but we have to do the programming. No scientists can let you do that. Well, then... I mean, I, it's worth a shot, but I can't speak computer ease. You're going to have to sell them on it. No, here's the thing. You do the selling. I'll do the technical part of it. And Rico can always jump in to help with that. So Rico's probably standing on all fours because the thing's on the floor. So she's just gone down on all fours and she's just kind of keeping an, uh, like an eye on the conversation that's going on behind her. And sensing there might be a break in the conversation, she sort of turns around and says, "Oh, this is terribly. This is a terribly exciting project. Did you hear? Um, I, AI, quantum computing. It's amazing." Ah, you know, real quick, while Rico is talking to the scientist, let's go ahead and let's just have a quick convo while the scientist is talking to Rico. He says something to the effect of, "Think about all the good that the guild is going to be able to do with the ability to break any encryption." I've really come to respect them, and I think they're going to use this technology to stop a lot of bad things in the world. Okay, so I say to Hank, follow my lead. Uh, on it, Captain. <sighs> Damn it, Crawford. Every time we go and deliver computers somewhere, you have to assign us up for extra days. I'm not doing it this time. And I walk away from him. But, Captain, it's for the good, it's for the good of the universe. I don't care. I don't have two or three days to spend on this planet while you help install these. Stu these guys can handle it. They know what they're doing. They got a whole bunch of legs and arms and stuff. Yes, but they don't understand the complexities of this UI system. Oh, the complexities of the UI system. Every you just like to come and show off how good you are at this and how this is your system and you're the only one who knows how to install it. And it's just a big, 
it, it's a really inconvenient show off and I'm tired of you asking me every single time we deliver some sort of computer somewhere. Yes, but every time I do it, we make bukus of money, Captain. I uh, wait, wait, what what do you know what they're talking about, cat person? Yeah, just uh, R- Rico. My name is Rico. Um yeah, this we we have a bespoke AI system, I think. Um Oh. Hank is our expert on our system. I think maybe they were thinking about maybe maybe helping you out. Um I'm not uh but the captain seems very angry, which is, you know, a bad idea. Um, captain, let's at least talk to them and see what they would offer for our services. I mean, we did come all this way to deliver them. It wouldn't hurt to make a few extra lobsies. The money I pay you to be my ship's engineer is money that's coming out of my pocket. And you always want to say, it's like, it's like you're just, you love doing this stuff. And I get that. But also you're on the payroll. And I don't know if these guys are going are gonna to even let you help them install well, uh, they may hold, not want hold it on, hold on hold on i'm I, I i actually haven't got any experience working with technology like this so if your engineer is willing to assist that would that would be really really helpful oh oh okay you see i i'm sorry i didn't understand you, you see you've never worked with supercomputers like this before well i mean i hate to admit it but until the guild started working with me i didn't have access to the resources to have equipment this this night so oh well, no. uh, oh, oh you're okay. you're in luck yeah we, um, we're experts well hang if on, but. no rico you're, you're an amazing assistant with this stuff and you know it the only thing is we have to convince the captain that it's it's worth her time and the ship's time so i mean we already know what you're paying the guild for the delivery what would you be willing for me to pay to give you all the tools you need to do what you need to do. So here's the thing. This is all being funded by the guild. It's not actually my money. So I'm sure they would be willing to compensate you, though. Oh, my God. Red flags and sirens going off everywhere. Hmm. Yeah. Rico freezes slightly at that. Listen, Hank, how long do you think it would take you to help these people install the stuff? I mean, you know, if, if someone unskilled was to do it, it'd probably take them weeks to do it. But I mean, I, psh, with Rico's help, just a couple of days. Lucky for you, I do have business I have to take care of on the space station. Okay, then it's a deal. You'll help me install these computers, and we're going to make the galaxy a better place. Imagine it, a universe with no more secrets. Next time on The Cautious Optimism. Anything you could do to help set up the computers would be absolutely phenomenal because I'm really excited to move forward with this project. Do you want to get started right now? I'm looking for who I need to talk to about getting a certified death certificate. Uh, I think maybe we should find out a little bit more about this drink, Liliana, before you start. Um, it's it's better than coffee. It's, it's like fruity, it tastes better, and it will keep you up for like days. You've been listening to As the Dice Roll. The As the Dice Roll intro music is The Soap Opera by James Bowers. You can find and license his music through Pond5 at Pond5.com. All the rest of the music in this episode is by Darren Curtis and can be found at DarrenCurtisMusic.com. The opening voiceover is by our very own Rob Sometimes. You can find his podcast at ComicBox.Libsyn.com. And the As the Dice Roll logo was created by Marcel Edwards. Check out her book, No Great Matter, at MSEdwards.com. As the Dice Roll is a proud member of the geek to geek Media Network. Check out other geek to geek shows, streams, and content at geek 2 geekmediacom 
If you'd like to contact the show, you can send an email to podcast at asthedicerollcast.com. Individual players and GMs, social media can be found on our website at asthedicerollcast.com.